Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are beginning our overview of Hebrews. One thing about this book is that there are a lot of references to the Old Testament, and we will be reviewing some of them as we go through this book. The first reference comes from Genesis chapter 14, verse 13a, and this is the first time we see the word Hebrew in Scripture. And it says, And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew. My King James Study Bible said Abram, or Abraham, was the first to be called a Hebrew from the root Abar, which means to cross over. Presumably, it was used in the sense of an immigrant. The name is seldom used of the Israelites in the Old Testament, except when the speaker is a foreigner or when the Israelites speak of themselves to one of another nation. I remember another commentator mentioned that the exact meaning is unclear, but it could mean not from this place. I love that because this is what the key point of this book is about. As believers in Christ, we are not from this place, but our citizenship is in heaven with the Lord. Now this book, which is one of my favorites, is one of those books that ponders many people because it is one of those books that is unlike any other New Testament book. And so we are going to take a little time explaining what the differences are in today's lesson. As I have said before, many times the who, what, when, where, and why questions are not always given in the books of the Bible. So we have to put on our detective hats and try to figure these out. In Hebrews, most of these questions are not addressed at all. So let's see if we can figure this out. Who wrote this book? This is a hotly debated subject in the world of theologians, people who study God and his word. The book itself does not say. Now, when the King James Version Bible was printed, many copies said Hebrews was written by Paul. Author W. Pink believes that for these reasons. One, even though Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, yet when Jesus called him, which is found in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, Jesus told Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. Then he referenced Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15b for his second point, which reads, Just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. Pink believes that Hebrews is that letter. We learn from 1 Peter that Peter was writing to, quote, aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen. These could be Jews or Gentile believers who were scattered due to persecution. Now, at one time, I believed it was Paul that wrote this book because I loved Paul. And since we only have one book of history in our New Testament, it seemed that Paul's the only guy doing anything. But we know that's not true. 
When Luke wrote Acts, he did not tell us what and where most of the other disciples went or what they did, because that was not his story to tell. We also know there were many other disciples of Paul, as well as other believers that were in Rome when Paul had never even been to Rome yet. So now let me share with you why I think that Paul did not write this book of the Bible. One, many of the book's images and terms are not like the other Pauline epistles, such as, quote, it is written. Two, Hebrews is a beautifully written Greek letter or sermon. My King James Bible said, it certainly is a superb literary Greek masterpiece, which is well-organized, logical, and comprehensive. If you remember, in contrast to Paul's letter, where he goes on for like a whole paragraph with just one sentence and it's all a run-on, there's a difference in the writing. Number three, the author seems to quote the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, instead of quoting that Hebrew text that Paul usually read. The writer knew Timothy, but if you remember, how did Paul talk of Timothy? Most of the time, it's my dear son in the faith. How does the writer of Hebrews put it in chapter 13, verse 23? Take notice that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom, if he comes soon, I will see you. Point five, however, is the key point for me. The writer of Hebrews described himself as someone who received the gospel from original witnesses. Chapter 2, verse 3 reads, How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. Here the writer is saying that he was not called by the Lord, but that he heard it through those who had heard the Lord speak. It is a second generation believer. For those who have read Paul's letters with me, how many times has Paul stressed that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ and that he was called directly by the Lord Jesus? Out of Paul's 13 letters, only Philippians and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians did not start off Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And that was because he was writing to friends and did not need to defend his apostleship. And then in Philemon, he started Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, in order to remind Philemon of Paul's circumstances. One other bit of detective work from the book is that the writer was in Italy, chapter 13, verse 24. Yet, even that is unclear as if he is in Rome or somewhere else in Italy. Now, many people have speculated that if Paul was not the writer, then who was it? Barnabas, Luke, Aquila, and Priscilla, Apollos? One point that I do want to make is that I've heard that maybe a woman wrote the letter, which was why it was not signed. But I do not believe that for two reasons, which come from chapter 11, verse 32, in the, quote, hall of faith. It reads, And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. First of all, the participle used in the Greek is of masculine gender. But even more important than that, 
The writer is writing about the judges and then going into the time of kings. And ladies, whom does the writer mention? Barak, the warrior, instead of the judge. And who was the judge? Deborah, a female judge and prophetess. What woman do you know that would leave out Deborah in the Hall of Fame, Old Testament people of faith? It was Deborah's presence in the Old Testament that gave me the courage to go to seminary for the first time. She's amazing. Yet the writer picked Barak, who was afraid to go to war except for Deborah to go to. That's found in Judges chapter 4 verse 8. The early church leader Origen said, who wrote the book? God only knows the truth of this matter. And I love that. And do you know why? Because there are so many unnamed saints who did amazing things for the Lord. So if you feel unnamed, just remember that the Lord knows your name and he has a plan for your life. So we don't know who wrote Hebrews and truthfully it does not matter with regards to the content of the book. So that covers the quote, who wrote the book? But then we have the question of to whom is it written? One thing we know is that they knew Timothy. Secondly, we see throughout the book that the writer says, let us or we. So he is writing to believers in Christ. Now in verse 1a of chapter 1, he writes, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, the fathers were the fathers of the Jews. So we can deduce that he is writing to Jewish Christians. In chapter 10 verse 32, we read that they had endured a great conflict of suffering. If you remember in AD 64, Rome burnt down and Emperor Nero blamed the Christians. And after that, Christians began to be persecuted by the Romans. As we read the book, we will see many references to the tabernacle and to Jewish rituals. So many people believe that the letter was written to the Jewish church in Jerusalem. One possible reason was because James, the pastor in Jerusalem, and Jesus' half-brother had died around A.D. 62. It could be a way of encouraging the Jewish Christians to remain faithful. Since there is no mention of the temple being destroyed yet, which happened in AD 70, it is thought by some to have been written a few years before AD 70. Now that sort of answers the who, to whom, where, and when. But let's address the what. What is this book? In the last chapter, 13, verse 22 reads, But I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Yes, it is a written letter, but its form is much more like a sermon. But the writer calls it an exhortation. He is encouraging them to stay faithful. That's the why. As one commentator said, they are living between the times of Christ's advent. 
It has been about 35 to 40 years since Christ left them. And during persecution, it is easy to get discouraged. But the writer tells them that there is a better place and a better covenant. As we will see, even from the first three verses of the exhortation, that Jesus is the way that is better. Now, verses one through three. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So let's break this down just a bit. For those who read the Old Testament with me this year, we know that God spoke through the prophets in many ways. King David wrote songs. Daniel had visions. Elijah and Elisha did mighty acts. Isaiah was an object lesson that walked around naked. Hosea was to marry a harlot to show Israel their unfaithfulness. The Lord's way of speaking to his people was varied. Yet in these last days, if you remember in Acts chapter 2, quoted from Joel the prophet, In these last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people and both men and women will prophesy. The writers of the New Testament firmly believed they were living in the last days, just as many do today. In the last days, God spoke to us. By the way, that includes us. And God is still speaking. The question is, are we listening, ladies? God spoke in his son, whose name is Jesus, and not just in the words of Jesus, but in his actions, especially his death and resurrection. God appointed Jesus to be heir of all things. Christ owns it all. Then through Jesus Christ, God made the universe. Jim Townsend said in his Bible study on Hebrews, David McCarthy observed, When Lincoln died, Edwin Stanton, the Secretary of War, said, Now he belongs to the ages. There is only one concerning whom one must turn the sentence around and say, The ages belong to him. John chapter 1 verse 3. Also, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 6 and Colossians 1 verse 6 also affirms Christ's creative role. Jesus radiates God's glory and he is the exact representation of his nature. I have said before that as a kid, I used to think that Jesus was the loving one and the Holy Spirit just floated around and God the Father had an iron skillet in his hand ready to knock me over when I sinned. It was not until I realized the truth that Jesus shows us what God the Father's nature is that I came to the truth that God the Father loves me like Jesus loved me. Then the passage says that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Ladies, the world has not exploded on itself because Jesus holds the whole world in his hands. 
when you feel like you are crumbling or your world around you is crumbling, go to the one who upholds all things and that includes you and me. This happened when he had made purification for sins, past tense when he died on the cross. And then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. When Jesus arose and ascended into heaven, he now sits at the right hand of God the Father, majesty on high, present tense. This is one thing that the writer of Hebrews mentions quite a bit in this exhortation. Jesus is on high in the heavens. That is where his kingdom is, not here on earth. And those who believe in him will join him. He reigns even if it doesn't always feel like it here on earth. We see in this passage that Jesus is better than the prophets. He is the prophet of prophets. And then because he made purification of sin, he served as a priest. So Jesus is the high priest over all the priests. And then he sits at the right hand of majesty. Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus is our prophet, priest, and king. So ladies, are you ready to start focusing on the heavenly kingdom? When we look to this earth, with the wars and rumors of war, with persecution, with fear of economy, it is easy to feel scared and uncertain. As the writer of Hebrews says later on, we live in a world that is shakable and it's easy to feel that moving. But we have something and someone better, a heavenly kingdom that is not shakable with a heavenly king that will not be overthrown. If you have heard his voice today, please, oh, please don't harden your heart. Instead, let's be women who stay faithful, who pray and obey. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.